0: So, you know, we're, we're sure that, 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 that Reuben didn't have any
1: psychological problems of lack of self-esteem, you know, because, because J- Jacob loved Reuben. And as Jacob re- looked at Reuben, all these feelings rushes back as he thinks to himself, Reuben, Reuben, there was a time when I was so happy with you. And I said, here is my long-awaited son. The son that's gonna walk in my footsteps. The son that's gonna make me to go live on. So I'll live on through him after I die. Reuben, my very own. See a son. Behold the son. That's it. So he looks at Reuben. He's flooded with these, uh, emotions of this long awaited dream. Reuben represents this vision, this hope for Jacob, you know. And, and Reuben, Reuben was the birth really of Jacob's vision for the future. And the vision was gonna be of strength and of might. So he calls him in verse three, Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might. You know, I mean, you know, Jacob could have sang the Bill Gaither song, you know, how sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he brings, he gives. Well, that, that's that's Jacob here with Reuben. You ever felt like that? You ever felt like you? There's been a birth of a vision, maybe not a baby birth of a vision, something you hoped for, something you had a great expectation for, something that just represented great prospect for the future. Well, this is Jacob, you know, with the birth of Reuben. It's really something. Now, you know, of course, it's really something when there's a birth in the Jewish family. I mean, Israel is a country that celebrates children. You know, it's all, uh, you know, uh, it's all, tov, your family is growing, <laughs> right? Okay. Then Jacob, he, he, he goes on and he, he keeps reminiscing, uh, Jacob does, about Reuben. In verse three, he says, ah, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. Now, in the English, these are some pretty strong superlatives. I mean, it's really not easy for us to get our arms around what does this mean, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power, Sounds nice. It sounds like something that the queen should have for her motto or something like that. But, but what does it really mean? Okay, so here it's better for us to see what the Hebrew actually reads, because literally this word "excellency," which is used twice—I mean, the Hebrew word is used twice, twice in English. Anyway, it's the Hebrew word "yeter." Yeter. Now, yeter is an interesting word because it is—it it refers to like it means the overhanging, like the overhanging of a huge branch of a tree. I mean, you all seen this, you know, it's what Jacob's doing here by using this word. He's painting a picture for us, like you're walking along in a forest and you look up and you see this great massive branch that's just coming off the tree and it extends way out. You know, pine trees do this. And, and And this is what Jacob is saying Reuben is here. You know, the branch extends the majesty of the tree. And that's what's translated the excellency of dignity. It's this majesty of this great overhanging branch of the tree that where Jacob sees himself as the tree, and Reuben is this massive overhanging branch that's extending beyond the tree. That's what he's saying. And then Reuben says, you know, the excellency of power. Again, the word yeter. again. And again, the picture is painted of the great, massive tree. Well, it's not only the, the majesty of the tree, that's the excellency of dignity, but now it's power. You know, because you look up there and you say, "Where? what power is in that branch? It's such a huge branch. It's extending so far off. There's great power in that in that, that, that branch. So this is what... Jacob is saying about Reuben, he say, Reuben is a powerful, great, majestic, strong, overhanging branch from the tree, and Jacob is the tree, yeah, okay. Now, notice in verse three how Jacob uses the word beginning, the beginning of my strength. Now, you know, with all these terms, you just feel the swell of pride and joy that he's got in, that Jacob's got in Reuben, and we could see Jacob with Reuben, and that's why he's like, behold a son. He's so he's holding the baby. He's visualizing, you know, you're gonna be a strong little guy and so forth. And and, and then we can see him as he as he becomes a toddler and he spends time with, with him, you know, with Reuben, training him. It reminds me, one time I saw Ken Taylor with his son Aaron, and they, Aaron was just a little boy at the time, and they were down the street at the hamburger place, And, 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 and Ken had ordered French fries and he was really focused on Aaron, you know, and he gets these French fries. When I was watching him, he got these French fries and, and, you know, most people put ketchup on the French fries. No, no, not Ken. He puts mustard on the French fries. (laughs) And then he says to Aaron, now, Aaron, this is what you do with French fries. (laughs) He tells him he's, anyways, that hasn't, not very much to do with anything, but okay. So then we see Jacob, he's spending time with Reuben as a young boy. Now everything looks so good. Everything's going along smoothly for Reuben. Jacob is very happy with Reuben. Reuben is doing really well. Then as a little boy, a crack develops. A crack develops that, 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 that's gonna keep growing and growing, and it's basically gonna become his downfall. And the little crack formed when Reuben's just a little guy, he's a little boy, and, and, and he does something that's just a little mischievous. It was just a little mischievous, and that mischief was like a bud of just a little sin that was early, it was an early indication there, and it's going to later blossom into a horrible sin, and that bud was in Genesis 30, verse 14. Genesis 30, verse 14, where it talks about the little guy, the little boy, Reuben. Reuben went in the days of the wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field, and brought them unto his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, Give me, I pray thee, of thy son's mandrakes. Now, what is that? Mandrakes were the Viagra of that day. Okay, they're like the, 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 the they aroused sexual drives. And as a young boy, Reuben found these mandrakes in the field. And now, what he, what he should have done is turned away and just said, oh, just leave those things alone. He should have thought to himself. Reuben should have thought to himself: "Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little hands, what you do. The father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little hands, what you do." But he didn't sing that song. And so, as a young boy, you know, he 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 just he gathers up these these um these things that, and he says, "Oh, you know, it's kind of like the young boy who who all of a sudden sees on his computer or sees on his smartphone some." pornographic website. And and he knows, he should just close it down and not investigate this pornographic website. But the young boy says, well, you know, this will be fun. I'll look further into this pornographic site. Now, this is what temptation is. Temptation is an overture that leads to sin. You know, that pornographic pop-up or email, is the overture that leads to sin. And if that overture is not closed down, it will lead to sin. And Reuben, he didn't close down that mandrake overture. And just like the young boy who thought it would be fun to go explore that pornographic website, Reuben thought, that's gonna be fun to collect these these mandrakes and, 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 and give them to his mother and just see what happens. Now, this was the beginning of Reuben's impure sexual interest in his father's wives and that bud then blossomed into one of the most horrible sins in the history of the Jewish people which is Genesis 35 22 Genesis 35 22, which says it came to pass when Israel dwelt in that land that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah his father's concubine or wife and Israel heard it it's so shocking in the history of the Jewish people, it's so outrageously shocking that the rabbis refuse to acknowledge uh, what this was and instead they say, well, you know, what this really means is that, that, that Reuben went into Jacob's tent and he physically moved Jacob's bed and that was the horrible thing. The reality of what happened is so shocking, it's so shocking that we have to stand back and say, how'd this happen? How did this actually happen? What led to this horrible sin? Well, it was because Reuben, as a young boy, didn't check this bud of this impure sexual interest in his father's wives, and that bud was allowed to grow in Reuben's life till finally it blossomed out, but it all started as a young boy because Reuben didn't extinguish this little flame of youthful sexual lust in his father's wives, and that flame then grew to a raging fire of lust, so that every time Reuben looked at his father's wives, he sexually lusted after them. You know, finally one day, Reuben saw his opportunity, and the fire broke out into a rape, a rape of one of, of, um, of his father's wives, Bilhah. After the rape is over and the horror is done, the question is, where'd that come from? Where did that come from? It came from him as a little boy. In Genesis 30, verse 14, Genesis 30, 14, where he went out and found those mandrakes and brought them to his mother Leah. So this is a very sad history here with Reuben, and and it's the basis of what Jacob is gonna say now. And this sad history, on the other hand, has great lessons to teach us about the importance, if nothing else, of training a child to recognize the overture of sexual lust and to extinguish it as soon as the temptation rears its head yeah you know, it reminds me of a time when uh San Diego Hardware used to be downtown and 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 on on fifth, I guess, and downtown was not then what it is today. Downtown was a place of uh a very raunchy sex shop for the sailors that would come here. Some of you older people remember. Anyway, and we would have to go down to San Diego hardware because I was always uh, trying to build things that never worked anyway. But um, And I brought my boys down there. And when you took a walk down Fifth Avenue, you were walking through hell. And uh, hell's temptations or vanity fair, or whatever you want to call it. And so I used to tell the boys, I said, now, boys, I said, we're going to walk down the street. And I used to say, let thine eyes look straight before you. Look not to the right or to the left. And we would do that. Well, you know, one of the persons in the Bible who who was more than qualified to teach us uh, uh, about the sexual temptation because he actually fell into sexual sins was King Solomon. And he said in Proverbs 22 6, Proverbs 22 6, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. So this, 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 what Reuben finds there is temptation. It's the temptation of the mandrake overture. It's the, it's a pornographic pop-up. It's the email. It's the temptation. Temptation is not sin. But temptation leads to sin, as stated in James 1.14. James 1.14 says, Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And then lust, when it hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. So it's important for us to see temptation is not sin. Sin. You know, it was not sin for Reuben to see those mandrakes in the field. It was sin when he collected them. And, and you know, temptation for us is like a bird, a bird. And, and we're not responsible if the bird flies over our head, but we are responsible if we let the bird build a nest in our hair. And so when Reuben finds these mandrakes, is the bird flying over his head when he goes and collects them, okay, that's the nest. So the the so this when we look at Reuben, what he's happened here, Really teaches us the importance of the hymn, Yield not to temptation, for yielding is sin. Each victory will help you some other to win. Fight manfully onward, dark passions subdue. Look ever to Jesus, he will carry you through. Ask the Savior to help you, comfort, strengthen, and keep you. He's willing to aid you, he will carry you through. Shun Evil companions, bad language disdain god 's name hold in reverence, nor take it in vain, be thoughtful and earnest kind hearted and true now so this the history here of of reuben 's sin Of Reuben's sin, it teaches us the importance of this hymn fighting against temptation and and, and so the, the the question is how do you do it? How do you fight against temptation? Well, there are some ways number one, the first way is to be constantly. Doing, uh, checking our thinking, constantly doing thought checks, thought checks. When we see Reuben finding those mandrakes, we can see the wheels turn in Reuben's mind. Hey, look what I found. And he thought sinful thoughts. You know, when, 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 when we see King David on the rooftop at night, which of course everybody should walk on the roof at night. Why else would they, <laughs> Anyway, when he was on the rooftop at night and he's looking in windows, and he sees Bathsheba bathing herself, we can see the wheels turning in, in David's mind, saying, Hey, look what I see. And he thinks sinful thoughts. So Reuben and David, they never they they never would have sinned if they just checked their thinking. And that's what's important for us to realize is that what is sin in Proverbs twenty-four nine, Proverbs twenty-four nine, it's the thought of foolishness is sin. It's like if every time you walked by a swimming pool and you thought, "Oh, whenever I walk by a swimming pool, I always fall." In fact, I have to fall in the pool, and and then you fall in the pool. But if you said, "I don't have to fall in the pool," and I and I will not fall in the pool, and you won't fall in the pool. Now, Reuben didn't have to fall into this sin. Reuben didn't have to be. He didn't have to be a Calvinist and say. I guess I'm predestined to fall in the pool, <laughs> and, and I can't change that because I'm elected to fall in He didn't have to. So the key to not fall into sin is to claim the power that's greater than ours, which, 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 which is told to us in Philippians 4.13. Philippians 4.13 is essentially saying, I don't have to fall in the pool. It says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me, and that's the present tense, who is continuing to strengthen me, then this that's the first, thought checks. The second is to be, the second method to not fall into sin is to be constantly in prayer, constantly in prayer. I mean, if we're constantly checking our thinking and constantly realizing that we can do all things through Christ who is continually strengthening us, then what we must be doing is to constantly ask him to strengthen us which is the job of 1 Thessalonians 5.17, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, where it says, pray without ceasing. Now, it's not easy to do that, and it takes strength. It takes strength to resist temptation. Why? Because resisting temptation is resisting the devil who's always at it. And in 1 Peter 5.8, 1 Peter 5.8, it explains to us how the devil is always at it, because it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren. So it's prayer that renews our strength to resist temptation, just like it says in Isaiah 40, verse 31. Isaiah 40, verse 31, they that wait, and you can think of that as prayer, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength; they shall mount up with wings as eagles; they shall run and not be weary; they shall walk and not faint. So, when the devil comes with a temptation, he usually doesn't come with one. You know, he he usually he usually has a bump stock on his gun, and and so he's coming with a flood of temptations. It's a flood, and and his goal is to to when we see the flood is just to go into a paralyzing. Panic, you know, a a, a a a panic attack of fear. You know, oh this is wrong and that's wrong and this is gonna be wrong. And I feel my chest tightening up and I, I can't walk, I can't think. Where's the bottle? Where's the pills? But but when we pray, the Lord works in the way of Isaiah fifty nine nineteen. Isaiah fifty nine nineteen, where it says, When the enemy shall come in like a flood the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. The standard is the word of God. It's the authority against him. So God's antidote for this panic attack of anxieties is Philippians 4, six. Philippians 4, six, which, goes, which says, following what we said, be careful or be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep or it shall guard, garrison, beset a garrison, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now that's the way that we can finally do what it says in Ephesians 6.10, 6, Ephesians 6.10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So that's the second tool that we have, which is to be constant in prayer. First tool, thought check. Second tool, constant in prayer. Third tool, use the Word of God. Use the Word of God. You know, the Bible is not just to be uh, to, to to for us to know in our minds. It's a weapon. The Bible is a weapon. It's to keep us from falling into temptation. The Lord Jesus used this. Used the Bible to fight against Satan and the temptation in the desert. When it says in in Matthew 4, 3, Matthew 4, 3, when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command these stones to be made into bread. And he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So much power to say, it is written. and fall back on the authority of the word of God rather than, I can outsmart the devil. You know, I'm smarter than the average bear, okay? But always fall back on the word, okay? Which means that the Bible has got to be what it says in Psalm 37, 31, Psalm 37, 31. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. Why do none of his steps slide? Because the law of God is in his heart which shows the importance of Psalm 119.11. Psalm 119.11, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. It's a very active picture to say, I hid in mine heart.
0: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box seven one one three P.O. Box seven one one three three zero 330 Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at eight hundred two four seven three zero five one. 247 3051
2: Reach Israel. Join Tom Cancer for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration only $99 includes a 2-day conference pass, meals, teaching, Creation Museum and Tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cancer, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com deeper in god's word with the friendship with god king james version study bible prepared by tom Cantor. this genuine lambskin large print study bible features the history of israel full color timeline and maps frequently asked questions about the jewish messiah prophecy and fulfillment study hebrew root notations and definitions the life study of joseph and so much more Order your copy today for only $49.95. That's $49.95. And receive a free personal signed copy by Mr. Tom Cantor, along with your name engraved on the cover. To order your Friendship with God Study Bible, call 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Or visit us at creationbookstore.com. That's creationbookstore.com.